This is a Soulfire production. Everybody, welcome back to Connor Wanders. We out here doing our thing. Weird times right now in America, y'all. Weird times. Can't say it's all good, but it's all happening. And we're going to cover that in the state of things as per usual today on the show. We're going to get into the Bernie Blackout documentary. Talk a little bit about that. I got a chance to watch that this week. Fantastic. We're going to do it. We got a new Trump ad. <laughs> I love saying that. It's just fun to say. We got a new Trump ad coming out or at, that is out. And he took full advantage of Joe Biden's Joe Bidening. And then in some rather disturbing, frustrating, and unfortunate um, news, we're going to talk about George Floyd and Christian Cooper, two black men that have been in pretty precarious situations. One of them did not make it out of. And going to play a lot about that. Like Even just saying that, um, even just saying these names, is, it's, it's heavy, man. It is heavy. And then it's something to think about. We're going to talk a little bit about the Constitution, which will be fun. But before we get into all of that, I'm noticing a few things about the world at large today. And if you're not seeing this, you don't have your fucking eyes open. The divides persist. Constant divides. More and more. The power distribution in this country has gotten to a level that is scary, frankly. And I don't see anyone, anyone taking any kind of responsibility. You know, one thing I want to do on this show, and I just put a new segment in here, it's not going to make it in today um, for some obvious reasons you'll see down the road, but I do want to talk about good news. I do want to bring out some good news because it's really easy to shit on politicians and make fun of ads. And I have a great time doing that, but I, there is good in the world and I would like to discuss that as well, but it's hard. It's hard. The more research, the more reading, the more I get into this stuff, which has really started to consume my life and, and to be fully transparent with the, those of you that are in here early, like this, I love doing this. I love doing this as much as I've loved doing anything else, even though it is at this point a side project and there's a lot of freedom in it because it is new and it's new to me and it's given me another lens to view human behavior through, which is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. But when you, when you throw that lens onto the state of this country, the state of the world and time and time again, what I see is a deflection of responsibility, a deflection of responsibility. And our commander in chief is a shining light of deflection of responsibility. 
You know, and I'm, I'm one of those people who does try to criticize the dude fairly and give him credit where credit is due. But in his behavior, he does not make that easy. He makes himself an easy target, as does Joe Biden. But it, it's a sad day when you look, and I even look at the millionaire, billionaire class of the world, the, the ruling class, as it's called, or... or those people that are pushing for globalization. And it's interesting to hand over the power to these people who weren't elected, right? They were elected by us using Amazon a bunch, and now they have a lot of influence. Like, that's not, I don't really feel super fucking comfortable handing it over. Like, you know what? You guys fix it. You guys fix it as if you aren't a part of the problem. I don't really trust Bill Gates to, to fast track a vaccine. I just don't do it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't have that in me to trust that. The phrase fast tracked vaccine scares me. It scares me. I can't say, I don't think it's going to be a zombie apocalypse, but it does not bring much peace to me. And I would roll the fucking dice. Same reason I don't get a flu shot. I just rather have, rather have the flu. I just rather have the Rona. <laughs> like I, I'm less scared of that than I am a fast-tracked vaccine. Like, talk to me in 10 years, and we'll see how it all pans out. But that's not the way that most people think. Is that a good thing? I don't think so, but who am I to say? You know, if I, if I may be hypercritical. Maybe that's me. But to look at this entire experience, and, and if this doesn't raise questions for you as to where power lies... Not just politically, not abstractly, not zoomed out to 10,000 feet, but in your personal life. Because like it or not, there are people making decisions for you and those will influence the trajectory of your life. So if you're not keen to that, if you're not curious, if you're not... If you're not investigating the shit that you hear and the things that you take as fact, if you're not questioning yourself, where does that lead? Where does that lead? Because I think that what we see in a lot of politicians is likely well-intentioned people once upon a time. But if you know anything, I mean, let's just... Let's just, let's just draw the analogy to um, a diet, right? You go into a diet with the best of intentions. You really, you want to look good. You're about to get married or some shit. You're, you, you're really committed. And you do good for a while. You do good. And all of a sudden, you want a little chocolate. You want a little chocolate. And then... That's okay. One time you're gonna get back on the back on the back on the horse here. You're good. Then uh then you want a fucking burrito. And then you go to PF Chang's. And then all of a sudden you're right back to where you started. You've been compromised. And if you think about politicians in much the same way, you can go into this world, you're going into a fucking Carl's Jr. of a state house trying to be on a diet. And somebody's like, well, you know, Purdue Pharma can really help you win this next election. 
you just got to make sure that Oxycontin is not heavily regulated. It's like, well, I really want, but if I win this election, I can really do good. I'm benevolent. I have the best of intentions. That's why I'm here. So you know what? Maybe, maybe just anybody can just try a little Oxycontin. It's not going to be that big of a deal. It's not going to cause an epidemic. People aren't going to die. Twice as many people have died from Oxycontin as have been killed by coronavirus. Fun fact. In the last, I think, 10 years. Obviously not the same things as apple and oranges, but it's something worth considering. And I think a lot of times you go in, they go in, they're feeling good, they're young, they're spry, and then you see behind the curtain. And that's just how things are done, which is why I think Bernie Sanders is one of the most influential candidates out there. A grassroots campaign. What? Who's doing that anymore? Not Joe Biden. (laughs) That's for sure. Not Nancy Pelosi, not Mitch McConnell. Really interesting stuff to think about. It's just like, how does how do you get to that point? How do you turn from a staffer to Hillary fucking Clinton? Right? Where what what do you have to know, think, and believe to get there? We're thinking about for sure, for sure. But that's enough rambling for me right now. Let's get into. The state of things. All right, all right. That's my thing, I guess, saying all right after I transition into a new segment. <laughs> oh, God, life is weird. Okay. New Bernie Sanders documentary is out, and it is fantastic. I loved it, but it made me sad. If you were a Bernie supporter, and I hope there are some people that aren't Bernie supporters listening to this show, but if you were a Bernie supporter, or if you are still a Bernie supporter, and you feel like he got done wrong, well, this uh, this documentary is going to sting a little. Because here's the thing. If you don't believe that Bernie got done dirty in 2016 and 2020, You're missing something. You are missing something. So I'm going to play the trailer for you now. And if you're a Bernie supporter, it's going to get you hyped. Here's the thing. You can go to Vice. This is on Vice. If you have the Vice TV channel, you can get it there on demand or whatever. If you go to the Vice website and find it, and you've never been on Vice before, you get like these free passes for 30 minutes. And you can just keep using those. It's about an hour and a half long. You can keep using your free credits. Um, to watch this whole thing if you haven't. And if you have a subscription device, great. It seems like a pretty cool network. Um, but I don't, so I just like, you know, use my little free tokens and, and, and got it done. Um, but let's just get into this trailer and chat about it a little bit. The revolution will not be televised. For justice, that is what this campaign is about. Democracy has been stolen from us. The entire establishment came against Bernie. The mainstream media isn't owned by the people. It's owned by rich people. 
Even as Sanders did better and better in the polls, there's always sort of a new counter narrative that was meant to sort of take him down. We're always told that CNN and MSNBC are the anti-Trump channels. They're also the anti-Bernie channels. One thing that we learned in this campaign is how powerful mainstream media still really is. <sighs> Man, damn, that stings. That stings. <sighs> to watch, to watch a man operate in integrity. And if you don't like Bernie, that's fine. If you think he's a communist, that's fine. If you think whatever, that's fine. I have no issues with that. Do what you want to do. Think what you want to think. Believe what you want to believe. But the man fucking operates from integrity, and that is so rare. So rare. Now, there were mistakes that his campaign made. There were many mistakes his campaign made in 2020. One of them was not ferociously attacking Joe fucking Biden. That should have been priority number one. And the way that the, treat, the media treated him, it was like, the dude won the first three primaries or the popular vote in the first, first three primaries, which has never happened with anybody who didn't win the nomination. And all they could talk about was Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. At that point, Joe Biden was abysmal. So let's talk about who got second. Let's, let's overlook this. And then the Bernie bro narrative, the Bernie bro narrative, that's one thing that's really cool about this documentary is they did some really uh, honest and really fucking solid research on this Bernie bro piece, right? Because I would get that a lot. Oh, you're a fucking Bernie bro. You aggressive on Twitter. Are you being mean to people? Are you being sexist on Twitter? Like, give me a break. There are bad actors in every community on Twitter. I don't give a shit what it is, whether it's the NRA, whether it's Christian organizations, whether it's the fucking Green New Deal backers. I don't care, right? There's going to be bad actors. But what they did was they aggregated, I think it was 100 million tweets. And 2% of Bernie supporters had aggressive and offensive tweets. And 2% of Biden supporters and Pete Buttigieg supporters and Warren supporters and fucking Amy Klobuchar supporters. 2% of all of them. Basically, 2% of the internet is full of fucking assholes. But the Bernie bro narrative was something we talked about for days. Days. When I say we, I mean MSNBC and CNN. Because make no mistake, MSNBC and CNN are not anti-Trump channels. They're anti-outsider channels. You need to have been vetted and approved by MSNBC and CNN to be respected as a candidate. This is not democracy. And to think that I didn't realize I didn't realize that the, the, the mainstream media had this much power anymore. I underestimated them because I just don't get my actual news from there. I see what they're talking about. I check it out. I, didn't, I vastly underestimated the power of the mainstream media. It's fucking insane. 
And when old Buttigieg and and Beto O'Rourke and Klobuchar dropped out and backed Joe Biden, I, I was astonished. I didn't think it was going to make that big of a difference, but it did. It's a show of unity, and that was insane. But this documentary breaks it all down. It breaks it all down from every every little thing that was blown out of proportion or that was that was biased, that was a fucking bold-faced lie. Go watch this documentary, whether you're a Bernie supporter or not, because... Shit, if you're a Trump supporter, he was treated much the same way. And not to mention that journalistic integrity has gone out the fucking window. Really interesting stuff. Now, speaking of the Democratic nominee for president, Joe Biden, our boy Joe, old sleepy Joe Biden. Um, I don't want to call him that because that's just doing Trumpy things. But Joe Biden, uh, as you know, if you listened to the last episode or if you just haven't been under a rock for the past two weeks, um, went ahead and told Charlemagne to God over at the Breakfast Club that if you don't know who you're going to vote for, if you're going to vote for Trump, then you obviously ain't black. And Trump being the media genius, team being the media geniuses that they are, took full advantage of this in a new ad. Let's get into it. And I, and I got I to gotta give a shout out real quick to Kyle Kalinske because this is where I saw this ad for the first time actually uh, using his video to share it here. Um, good stuff, though. Enjoy. So here's the, the newest Trump ad on this. This is something. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Oh, Jesus Christ. Take a look at my record, man. When I marched in the Civil Rights Movement, I marched with tens of thousands of others. He had not actually marched no, in didn't. the Civil Rights Movement. He just didn't he do that. telling the story. Anyway. I come out of the civil rights movement. I was one of those guys that sat in and marched and all that stuff. Now his age was- Can you imagine being this guy and just bold-faced lying about not only your education, but having marched in the civil rights movement and then expect people to vote for you? Wow. I'm back to say, look, he was in office marching for the idea. That's not the word marching. <laughs> marching for the idea of civil rights. <laughs> I was not out marching. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. They're going to put you all back in chains. And you ain't black. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. That's one of the worst ones ever. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Dude. Watch what's coming out of your mouth, bro. Jesus. You ain't black. You ain't black. You ain't black. You ain't black. The most racist thing a person could tell me is that I'm supposed to choose something based on my race. You ain't black. Oh, man. Wow. The Trump campaign knows how to run an ad. Holy shit. They took that, and he. the thing is, he's just going to keep serving these up. The more he's out of his basement, the more he's just going to hand the Trump campaign things to just run ads about, and not to mention just his ridiculous history of lies that are well-documented. You can't say that you marched in the civil rights movement and then say, well, abstractly, I marched for the idea of civil rights. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Dude, what world are we living in where this guy is a legitimate option? Wow. Wow, 
Wow, wow, wow, wow, wow. So think what you will. Think what you will about that, but... <laughs> insane. Insane. Now, we're going to get into some stuff here that is um, not fun. Not really something I want to talk about, to be honest with you, because I don't really want it to be a thing. Um, two black men, two different situations. One clearly racist, one clearly incompetent and reckless and irresponsible. But the first one we have here is Christian Cooper. He was bird watching in an area of Central Park called the Ramble, which is an area that is only um, allow they only allow dogs on leash. It's an on-leash area of the park. There are also off-leash areas of the park that you can have your dog off-leash. Now, let's let's set this up real quick. Where I come from in Austin and Texas, like they're very loose with the dog on leash, off leash thing, as long as it's safe and not by a road and and that kind of thing. Um, but as long as there's not a lot of people and you're being responsible, yada yada yada. There's a lot of off leash areas, and people aren't usually that weird about it if you're breaking the rules. But in New York, that's a little different. There's a little different demeanor than in Austin, Texas. Uh, and Denver, I feel, is very similar to Austin in that way. Uh, people call each other out for their shit on a regular basis. It's just kind of the thing that they do. It's, it's not unusual. So this isn't an unusual interaction between the two. So he's bird watching. She's got This woman has her dog. Her name is Amy Cooper. They're not related, uh, but they do have the same last name. So Christian is bird watching, doing his thing, probably trying to get outside um, during this whole COVID-19 lockdown in a place in New York where it's like a fucking madhouse. Um, so he's doing his thing. She brings the dog out apparently. And what I'm gathering here is that he was annoyed because dogs off leash scare off the birds. Makes sense. Um, he's bird watching. That's what he's doing. And people kind of dress that up as he was worried that this cocker spaniel was going to like harm the birds. I don't, foresee that being a thing necessarily this dog didn't seem necessarily athletic enough to uh to make that happen but i do want to set this up for you because he asked the lady to put the dog on a leash and then he said um the thing that i really feel like set this off he said i'm going to do something about it but you're not going to like it and apparently he was prepared for this these type of situations i'm sure this happens on a regular basis he has treats for dogs so what, what she wasn't going to like is, is him calling the dog over and giving the dog a treat and keeping it there until she put a leash on him. Um, she took that as a threat. And then what happened afterwards is really, really inexcusable. So let's go ahead and get into that video. It's just the audio by itself is, is pretty incriminating. Let's take a listen. Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. Excuse me. This is so bad. And the way she's holding that dog is like she's strangling the dude. 
He's freaking out. Because she's freaking out. I'm sorry, I'm in the ramble, and there is a man, African-American, he has a bicycle helmet. He's recording me and threatening me and my dog. Doesn't seem that way. There is an African-American man, I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. Oh, the dog, it makes me cringe. Shit. Chill with the dog, lady. Thank you. And then she puts the dog on a leash. She says, thank you. And the video ends. Now, the way she was treating that dog was actually the worst to me. Uh, she was like, you're, you're, if you're concerned about your dog being threatened, like maybe you shouldn't choke him. That's probably a good place to start. And she has subsequently been fired. And the adoption um, place where she got this dog from, the rescue that she got this dog from, has taken the dog back. Uh, so she lost her dog and her job over this, which... Which makes sense. But the fact that she was like, not there's a man, not there's an African-American man uh, threatening me, whatever. All of it was hyperbolic as fuck. Uh, but the way that she was saying it, like, I'm going to use your blackness against you. What You just wait. I'm going to use your blackness against you right now. And that that's the worst part. And that's the thing is like, that's, that's, that's. To me, that's the type of racism people are talking about when they talk about racism today. It's not necessarily the KKK. Yes, there are overtly racist people all over the place. I'm not saying that's not a thing, but it just isn't at the same scale as this subtle racism that we see at scale. So it's it's really, really challenging to watch things like that. And also look at this woman. She's you know, well-educated and there's a lot of stuff out there on her background that I'm not going to get into, but well-educated, went to a good university, has a job in finance, a woman in New York, a white woman. Um, you can probably imagine she's not a Trump supporter. I would lean to say, I don't know this for a fact. I don't have her voting records. It's probably Democrat just on the face of it. If I was going to make, I mean, if she's going to make assumptions based on someone's color. I can make assumptions based on her sex and her color as well. And the narrative is this stuff doesn't happen with Democrats. This isn't a Democrat thing to do. We are so woke. We really care about everybody's feelings. We don't do this. We're Democrats. Okay. We are high minded. We are beyond that. Okay. Everybody matters the same. Um, that's a fairy tale. So let's just keep that in mind. Let's just keep that in mind. Really interesting stuff. Very cringeworthy. And I think what we're going to get into next here is actually, and we're going to cover this more and what's happened since this, this incident. Um, but fuck. This next one is brutal. So this is... I'm going to call it what it is. This is the murder of George George uh, Floyd. Now, background on this situation, if you haven't seen it yet, which I'm sure that you've had, that you had, that he was being arrested on the suspicion of writing a bad check. So he was being arrested on the suspicion of writing a bad check. The narrative is that he resisted arrest and wouldn't get in the car. I've watched videos from all different angles more than what I'm going to sh we're going to play here today, but didn't really seem that way. And even if he was arrested, or if, if he, even if he was resisting arrest, uh, he was in handcuffs. 
Now, he's a big man. I mean, he looked like he was probably 6'7"-ish. Big man. Um, but there was four cops there already to arrest this guy. So I can't imagine uh, the need for what happens next. Um, but we're going to cover that. This is, this is going to be really the, the, re, the remaining piece of the show here is just discussing what's, what happened here, what happened next and what the response has been. It's, it's terrible and it's sad. If you're just listening audio only, um, this video is hard to watch. We're not going to play the whole thing, but just keep in mind, this is over a bad check. This isn't a violent crime. This would have happened with some pedophile murderer. I don't, I don't even know. Somebody who was like robbing old ladies. Like we may have a little bit of a different situation here. This is about a fucking bad check. Let's, let's, let's play the video. And I'm not going to play the whole thing, but the part that you can hear the audio, um, it's worth listening to. Man, I can't breathe my face. Just get up. Ugh. Ugh. What do you want? I can't breathe. Please, the knee in my dick. I can't breathe shit. Uh-huh. Bro, get up, get in the car, man. I will. Get up, get in the car. I can't move. I've been waiting the whole place, ah. man. Ah. Get up, get in the car. Mama. Get up and get Mama. in the car right. I can't. Yeah, gave y'all the opportunity to get in, bro. I told you you can't win. My knee. You can't win, man. I'm through. I know you're a nigga. You didn't listen. Uh, I got the phobia. Just my stomach hurts. Uh-huh. My neck hurts. Uh-huh. Everything hurts. Ah, uh, there's water or something. Please, please. Ah. Uh-huh. I mean, there's. So. You can hear him say he can't breathe. His neck hurts. His stomach hurts. And what you're seeing there is a cop. He's on his he's on his stomach, turned a little bit, and his cop has this cop has his knee wedged in between his jaw and his shoulder. Now, I don't understand why they didn't put the fucking guy in the car. Like put him in the fucking car. And we've brought up white privilege a little bit. Um, on this show and me watching this and, and I watched the full video. It's about nine minutes. They had his, he had his knee on his neck for seven minutes long after he was unconscious. And when they put him on the stretcher, he looked the the story is that he died in the hospital later on. I, there's been contradictory stories that say he was dead by the time he was in the, in the ambulance, they just pronounced him dead at the hospital probably to save face for these officers. Um, but this is hard for me, man. This is, this is, this is hard to, to, to watch happen. And I remember watching this for the first time and thinking to myself, I couldn't just stand there and watch this happen. Like I would have gotten in the middle of this. This is not okay. I wouldn't, if I was in this crowd of people and there's gotta be, there's more people here than there are cops. Like you got to think, Oh, well, I got to do something about it. I can't imagine that I wouldn't have done something and not sit there and yell. A lot of people were sitting and yelling, like, stop, let him up. Like this was, that was just the part of the beginning part of the video. It gets much worse. More people gather around. He can't breathe. And he keeps saying, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. Um, I can't breathe over and over again. There's multiple police officers there. Put the fucking guy in the car. 
get him up, put him in the car. This is no one is defending this. You can go as far right as you want to go. No one is defending this. Now I want to share something here that um, relates to this because this isn't. This is highly race driven, I would say. But this is what happens when police officers start viewing people as less than them. Being treated like animals. Um, so on a personal note, and this is highly anecdotal. Um, so my dad spent the better part of six years in prison. He actually got released a little bit early because of COVID-19. Uh, so he's under house arrest now. Um, just got released last week. My dad uh, has been a automotive uh, painter for his whole adult life. And what comes with painting is wearing a helmet all the time and, and kind of, I would say a lot of, a lot of issues with the neck. So you're hanging a helmet on your head, you're looking down a lot. So he had to have, he had some degenerative issues in his neck. He had to have rods put in his neck. So he can't really turn his head. Uh, when he turns his, he can turn his head a little bit, but mostly when he turns, he has to turn his whole body. Um, because his neck just doesn't move. It's very stiff. There's rods in there. Um, there was a, the surgery went not well and they had to fuse his discs and, or fuse his, um, his spinal column or his, uh, his neck column there and put some rods in. Now, my dad was arrested for nonviolent drug crimes. Um, and when he was arrested, they kept telling him to put his head on the ground, on the pavement. Uh, these are small town cops in Graham, Texas, where I'm from. Uh, he can't do that. His neck doesn't do that. That's not how it works. He said that over and over again. And they kept pushing his head down on the pavement, trying to get it to turn. You can't turn a neck with fucking rods in it. He's already on the ground. He wasn't resisting. And they called that resisting arrest because he wouldn't put his head down because he can't put his fucking head down. They really charged him with that. Now, I believe that his lawyer got that overturned. But these cops view addicts, people of color, people that are writing bad checks as less than them. That is the only explanation. And when you start looking at other fucking human beings as less than you, that explains the Holocaust. That explains slavery. That explains what happened to the American Indians whenever we were fucking bound and determined to move from East Coast to West Coast. That's what happens. Now, was this on the same scale? No. But is it happening over and over and over again? Yes. This is about race. This is about class. This is about inequality. This is about all of it. And what happens next, and I fucking called this when I watched this video when it first came out. What happens next is extremely predictable. And I said, I think people are going to lose their shit. We've seen it happen with this happens every year. It seems like at least a couple of times and the riots get a little bit more intense and the, and the protests get a little bit more intense. So, what I want to play you right now before anything else is a segment from a speech that Dr. Martin Luther King made. 
when he talks about rioting and people being unheard. America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. And so in a real sense, our nation summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. As long as we post postpone justice, we ensure riots. Now, we get people like Tommy Loren from Fox News who says, if you smash and bang on cop cars, riot and burn flags in the street and loot your community businesses, you were not a protester. You were a part of the problem. Is this really how you bring justice? Is this really how you honor his life? How does looting, rioting, and destroying your own community bring justice for anyone? Yeah, that's pragmatic. That's logical. But Tommy Loren, how fucking, how fucking fed up are you with this? How is this affecting your community? You know what's happening right now with these riots? Is that people are being heard. That's something that your cunt ass will never understand. Never. And you don't even attempt to. These people are so fucking sick and tired of being unheard and swept under the rug from everything to not having adequate food in their area to police brutality are being pushed out of their homes by gentrification. Like there's so many things where these communities get fucked over and over and over again. And you have the fucking gall to criticize how they handle it. Let me tell you, when was the last time you were oppressed in anything besides mean Twitter comments, Tommy Loren? You postpone justice, you ensure riots. And that's been the mantra of this movement. The mantra, no justice, no peace. Because fuck it. Fuck it, why not? Nothing else has worked. You could gone to your ass up and go have a silent protest somewhere or a sit-in. What's that really going to do, though? Hasn't worked before. They tried that over and over again. Now, think about this. If I killed someone by by suffocating them by kneeling on their neck, would I be in jail? Would you be in jail? 
You got to think about that, right? Like this is a really interesting thing to watch happen. And I don't think that what they're doing, I don't think that looting through a target and setting it on fire or burning down an auto zone, all these things have happened. Burning down a halfway finished condo complex, that doesn't need to happen. But it's collateral damage for injustice. Those things are insured. Those companies are going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay there. Hope no one else gets hurt. But we're going to sit here in this situation and judge. You're going to sit on your fucking throne and judge people? No. The writing isn't necessarily appropriate. But they burned the fucking police station down. They're heard now. They're not playing fucking games. And the next time that some cop gets himself in this situation, well, they'll have that to think about. We need to see the body cam footage from this guy, which I'm sure we'll see. The public spotlight is on this. And these guys are being kind of tried in the court of public opinion right now, which is not going well for them. Because what you're seeing is that the officer that killed this man has had 17 complaints against him, some of which are overuse of force, and was not reprimanded for those. He got a letter of reprimand for the 18th and then another letter for the 19th. But the first 17, you know, everybody deserves 17 chances, right? Now, I haven't fact-checked this as well or as much as I would like to because you just can't right now. There's just no real telling what news is real news. But I've, I've seen circulating that he's actually killed other people as well. Now, cops get in those situations. I do my best to see, to watch justified shootings, unjustified shootings. It's really heavy. It's really hard. But I feel it's important. And... What happened here was a fucking atrocity. And I'm so glad that there aren't people defending these two. Now, these four cops were fired. But I want to put it like this. Because these two, these two situations happened near the same time. I think even the same day or a day apart. Now, these cops lost their jobs. That's as far as this has gone so far. Four cops lost their job that were on the scene. Amy Cooper lost her job and her dog. So somebody being racist, not violent necessarily, but aggressively racist, lost her job. Someone that killed a man also lost his job. The punishment has been the same. Amy Cooper and the cop who killed this man got the same punishment. George Floyd is dead. He's dead. Needlessly dead. I just can't. There are thousands of people in this in this country for every one police officer. They derive their power from us allowing them to have power. 
this will get worse if this happens again. Watching a police officer kill an unarmed man for being suspected of a nonviolent crime is becoming far too common and it's reached far beyond the black community as far as the people that are outraged about this. Not to mention just a couple weeks ago, the cops just busted into the wrong house and killed a woman, a black woman. Because it was, uh, it, was, it, was the, it was the address on the license of a suspected drug dealer. Huh, do criminals really keep up with their fucking driver's license address? Would it make a lot of sense for them to live at the same address as what's on their driver's license, you fucking morons? This is not okay. This happens far too often. And here's the thing. We're seeing these Colin Kaepernick memes floating around after this too. Because that was a peaceful protest of this exact situation. Things just like this were happening so much and an NFL quarterback took it among himself to do something about it and at least make a stand in some way by kneeling during the national anthem. And Fox News went on a fucking rampage. This is why. This is why. <sighs> and it's hard, man. It's hard. And I think about this, you know, one thing, having a dad who's been in federal prison, knowing what happens in there, the mayor of Minneapolis has called for their arrest, which kudos to him. He has handled this extremely well. Cops don't do well in prison. Here's what happens in prison. And people don't, people don't realize this. We're not, most of us aren't there. It is highly racially segregated. Now, this isn't necessarily the guards that do this. This isn't, this isn't some planned thing from what I understand. But there are a lot of white supremacists in prison. There's a lot of black people in prison. A lot of Mexicans in prison. And they stick together. So what would likely have to happen... For this guy to survive in prison is he would have to join up with the white supremacists to be protected. Because you kill an unarmed black man as a cop who put a lot of those people in that place, who most of them feel probably it wasn't justified. Most of them have probably been treated unfairly by the police before, have so much distrust of the police. So this guy would have to go to prison as a former police officer and beg to join ranks with the white supremacist groups that are in there for his life. And I feel like that's fair. I feel like whatever happens to that guy in there is fair, to be honest with you. There is less and less trust between the American public and the police officers that are supposed to keep order every fucking day. 
Oh, man. Let me give you something to think about. Constitution, the document that laid out the game plan for this country that we live in. And if you don't live in the United States, if you're listening to this somewhere else, still <laughs> worth a listen, I hope. So this is something I've been thinking about. And to be fully transparent, I've not read the Constitution in its entirety, and that is on my short list of things to do. The Constitution... Declaration of Independence, the Federalist Papers, all of it. Now read it all up. Soak it into my dome. But for now, I want to conceptually think about the Constitution and the people who put it together. Now, not to mention a handful of those people were slave owners, so let's keep that in mind as well. But the men that put this together, they built a restraint a revised structure of how a society should be built. It was a very progressive idea. I don't think democracy was, was an American creation by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure it existed much long before that, but there was a freedom and opportunity bias and drive behind what these people were looking to create. Now, when you have a group of forward thinkers and people that are breaking free of what they consider a tyranny, well, that's a certain type of person, a certain type of group that will risk that and make that happen. And I would think that that group of people, the same group that created that document would would want us to maintain that level of critical thinking, that level of analysis, and that keen of an eye to tyranny, inequality, and suppressed opportunity, and suppressed freedom for that matter. Because there's this way that, that, that several people, especially the further right you go on the political spectrum, there's a way that people seem to cherish the Constitution as if it's gospel. And that's great. I, I get it. It's an amazing document. But is there room for nuance? Is there room for adaptation? And I don't mean the amendments that came hundreds of years ago. I mean now, today, in the world that we live in. Is there room for a varied interpretation? Is there room for us to look at all of the creators of this document, their history, their mindset? There's lots of information about that out in the world. And base our view of the Constitution based on their intentions. Look at, look at it based on their intentions not the words they put on the page. 
fuck, language has changed a lot in the past 200 and some odd years. So to look at this as simply words on a page that tell us what to do is highly naive and highly arrogant. But if we look at the intentions of the creators of that document and base our decisions on what they wanted to create and what made sense for their time, I think we have a better view of where to go from here, which seems to be the ever-present question. Where do we go from here? So think about that. I hope it's something worth thinking about. Maybe read the Constitution as well. Listen, everybody. I kind of feel like if you if you know who Paul Harvey is, I'm going to go look up some Paul Harvey and play him on the show. If you know who Paul Harvey is, I just feel like by accident, I added on his old segment called The Rest of the Story onto the end of my show. I think Paul Harvey is my radio icon. I loved his shit back in the day. If you don't know who Paul Harvey is, the radio host on AM radio, go check him out. I'm sure, I don't even know if he's still alive anymore. A lot of days, a lot of days in the oil fields of Texas listening to Paul Harvey. Well, y'all, this has been fun. If you love this show, make sure to share it. Leave a five-star review. If you hang around to the for the whole thing, I really appreciate it. If you have any topics that you want me to cover, anything you want me to discuss, find me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all those things, at Connor Wanders. I'm more than happy to dive into it, explore it, if it's something worth thinking about. I'll keep at it. You keep at it. Keep your head on straight. We'll see you all next time.